If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafter stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm Lucy and I spend lots of hours doing freehand edge-to-edge quilting. Now, if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing implement with needle and thread attached and at really high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events hosted on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. These are streamed live the first and third Friday of every month. And they're interactive because they're live, so you can actually ask questions and get answers about that project while I'm working on it. So be sure and check those out. And another thing that I recently made available to machine quilters is my all-over feather class. So quilters from way back will know that feathers are always eye-catching, it seems like, and the all-over meandering ones are no exception. So in this free class, I'll show you how to achieve the graceful, sort of flowing feathers that you've always aspired to. From the basic feather shape, even coverage on the quilt, to avoiding awkward corners, or customizing the little details, it's all here in the class, and I'll walk you through it and demo the quilting step by baby step. So if that interests you, just head to my website and a sign-up form for that class will pop up, and it is entirely free. Today's guest is Leslie Bircher, and I think you'll really enjoy her stories of the beautiful crafting space that she has created in her home, so stay tuned. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm The Will Half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to Pins and Needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Trying to pull together the fabrics for a scrappy quilt can just feel overwhelming. There's so many choices. How can you possibly know if the end result will be cohesive? Where do you even start? So an experienced quilter gave me a great tip the other day, and that is, if you're just diving into scrappy quilting, think about making a two-color quilt. So maybe white and red, for example, or blue and cream. And within that narrower channel of choices, then make it scrappy. So taking the blue and cream, for example, 
All your creams can be similar warm creamy tones, but all kinds of different prints. And likewise your blues, they're all pretty closely related to each other, but just play with them. Invite all the blue relatives to the party. But just by narrowing it down to blue and cream, it really makes your choices that much easier and you can be assured of a beautiful result when it's finished. So have fun with that. You all know I love my coffee. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan, where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me keep batteries in stock for my microphone and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thanks so much for your support and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My guest, Leslie, is really active on social media, and over recent weeks and months, I've been watching through photographs, watching her develop um, the aesthetic of her home quilting studio and how she has redecorated and created little touches and created really an atmosphere that her creativity lives in. I think you'll really enjoy hearing about how she has done that. Well, thank you very much, Leslie, for joining me. I am looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this since you invited me. So thank you for the invitation. This is great. And I saw you you posted on social media yesterday, which, of course, when listeners hear this, it will be many days ago. But anyway, that you were looking forward to it. And I thought, oh, great. This is so exciting. Someone that loves talking as much as I do. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my friends and family would agree with you. So <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. But, you know, that's what podcasts are all about. Absolutely. So, Quilting, because that's our topic. What got you started in quilting, Leslie? Is this a family thing or is this a thing that you found on your own? How'd that come about for you? So it's funny. My grandmother, she actually quilted for years. She was a part of a ladies auxiliary at her church. And I would go over there as a kid um, and watch all of the ladies uh, getting together and hand piecing. Of course, it's all hand piecing and hand quilting and I was intrigued by it, but I was a little kid and I didn't do much there. Um, But as I grew older and when I um, had my first child, my grandmother bought me a sewing machine and she said, come over. I had a a little bit of time with maternity leave. So she taught me how to sew. Um, But, you know, babies, you know, work, I, I just didn't have the time to even get involved in it. So years go by. um, And about three and a half years ago, my friends, Karen Jeannie, they decided they were going to take a quilt 101 class and asked if I would be interested. And I had a couple of quilt tops from my grandmother that were at my house. And I thought, man, that might be fun. And I could learn and maybe finish out her quilt tops. And so we'll see how it goes. Um, but I loved it. I took one that first class um, and Debbie Davis, she was our uh, quilt teacher. I call her Myota now because she's just brilliant she's a brilliant quilter um and we we've remained good friends but she um taught our log cabin you know eleanor burns quilt in a day um and it was just awesome and i and i just got bit by the bug and so i haven't stopped since and it's been a wonderful craft for me um and i and i'm just so thankful that I get to do something that kind of ties back to my grandmother. I wish she was here to see me doing that now. Um, but she uh, passed away in 2015, but I know that she's here in spirit and watches me, uh, watches over me as I learn this craft. So, yeah. 
That's Wh- been my story. Whispers in your ear and tisk tisk sometimes, I bet, yes. too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So I have a question. If she was a hand quilter, what style of quilting frame? Like if these were multiple ladies, did they have the room size sort of frame to quilt on? Oh, yes. It was huge. I mean, I could crawl under it as they were all sitting around it. So it was kind of neat to watch. Um, and they, I mean, they left it up all the time. It was, there was a quilt on it at all times. So they would, you know, make these quilts, auction them off for their auxiliary and um, give it to other, um, others who were in need. And it was just really, it was neat to watch it growing up. I agree. So my mom was a hand quilter like that too. And that's how I learned as well. And I tell you what, never underestimate the amount of fun that can be had by a bunch of kids under a (laughs) giant quilt in a living room. Like we we gave up our living room whole winters at a time, you know, to to a big quilt. (laughs) Of course. One of my older brothers at some point figured out a pulley system whereby we could swoop that thing up to the ceiling and it didn't have to take over the whole room. And that was quite an invention. We loved that. That's smart. Anyway, I noticed too in your recent social media posts that um, you were away with some friends on a retreat slash getaway, and that looked like a serious party. Is this a thing that you do quite a bit of? Are you the arranger or just an attendee? What does that all look like? I am definitely not the arranger. Um, There's a, a wonderful quilt store in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, that puts this one on, and we go twice a year. Um, and yes, it's quite a party. It's an event. Um, it's funny. It started out as uh, one of us had put some little twinkle lights out on one of our tables and it ended up turning into this crazy uh, decoration. Everybody has to decorate thing. And it just made it so much more fun to hang out and have some wonderful decorations to look at during the day. So yeah, it's quite the event. That sounds like a heap of fun. In your opinion, what are some of the essentials that you must take to retreat? Um, for me, of course, your sewing machine. I've I've kind of made sure that I take a travel size machine now. I do have a larger uh, Janome Mem- Memory Craft 9450. I keep it in the cabinet. <laughs> I made a mistake by trying to take that with me once, and I thought, I'm going to do that again. So having a small, lightweight uh, machine, I think, is really makes it easier for you to travel with what's what's your Um, favorite lightweight machine if i can ask um i have i love a featherweight Mm -hmm. um but it's not necessarily a featherweight you know they're kind of heavy they're heavier than they look um but i love to sew on that or i just purchased a janome um 3160 and it's been perfect it's about 11 12 pounds perfect for retreat so i love that machine and it works great um so i would say definitely a travel type machine is so so important um and then of course we we just built some ironing boards um that are just a small travel size ironing board made of you know some plywood batting um ironing board material and some nice fabric a decorator weight fabric on the top and that has really worked out well um and a cutting mat your all of your normal tools but we did um we did build tidy totes, um, and I don't know if you've seen the tidy totes have that not. have uh, been out there, but Hillside Quilting Australia, um, they put out a pattern for a tidy tote, and it is essentially just a bag that you can carry, and it holds a, a three-drawer uh, compartment, and it just keeps it all in one place, and so 
anytime I'm going to go to a class or a retreat, it's already all packed up and I just grab my bag and go. So you can keep your rotary cutter, your scissors, anything that threads, uh, bobbins, all of that can be stored in one place and it makes it really nice um, to travel with for retreats or classes. How nice. Are you a person who goes with kind of an agenda of what projects you're working on or are you like me and you take about three or four times as many as you could possibly accomplish so that you can do whatever you feel like today. <laughs> so my friends, they laugh at me because I will usually take one that's almost complete so that you can feel like you actually completed something right. when you're at retreat, right? Um, so they'll be like, you're cheating a little bit, but I don't think it's cheating. I think that just makes sense. It motivates you to keep going. So um, I do try to take something that's almost complete and finish it first. Um, and that kind of gets me going. And then I usually have everything cut and ready to go. Um, when I go, I have them packaged up. I use um, some project bags and I have it all organized um, before I head out. But yeah, I like to have all my projects organized and ready. Uh, I usually take three or four um, and hopefully get through them while I'm there. So yeah. I agree. Even if you're not by nature an organizer, it makes sense to do for a retreat because there is nothing worse than getting there and finding the one fabric you needed or the one specific tool or ruler that you needed, you don't have. And so if you do take oh, the time to break down the project and bag it up and label it, and what, that just helps you think through all the things that you might need for that project. So cool. Well, absolutely. I, I totally agree with taking the one that's not quite done for a quick win. And also, I tend to yeah. <laughs> tuck in a project that for whatever reason, I've been procrastinating. It's just tough to press through and get her done. Either it's a block that's difficult or one that's been lagging for 10 years or whatever. So to me, retreat is a good way to just sit because it's all about the visiting, right? Just sit and get that not necessarily pleasant thing done. That's right. I know, I know the one of the retreats that we went on, I thought, well, I'm going to work on this one the entire time. And that was probably not the best approach. <laughs> I took one one thing and it was just felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get through this. And I did get it done there. But I, I realized that may not be uh, good for me. I need I need a little variety while I'm on a retreat. So um, that would be a, another tip from my standpoint, going on retreats, have a few different things to work on. Yep, I agree with that one too, because after all, it is about a retreat and about a refreshing time. It's not a, a job. And so you don't want to get up in the morning and not feel like working on a particular project. And that's the only one you have. So yeah, give yourself right. some options. Give yourself some grace. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So on another topic, you've been posting a series of photographs on social media of your studio as you've been redecorating it. And oh my word, it is charming. I'll be sure to put up links to your Instagram feed so everyone can go have a look at it. But what kind of instigated that process for you? Where'd you start? Well, when we moved into this house, it's been about three years. So I'd only been quilting for maybe four months before we moved into this house. And I started just with my machine and my table and a bookcase and just starting really small. Um, and figuring out along the way, what's my style? Um, I think as we grow in our craft, we kind of start understanding what we want, um, want that room to feel like and look like. And I decided, you know, it doesn't have to be a messy crafting space. You know, I think we've all had, had those situations, but I really wanted a place I could retreat to and feel um, happy in. And so I think that that was 
you know, I wanted to play a place that I could create where my family would feel like coming in and hanging out with me when I sew. Um, and my friends, when they come over, they could hang out in the quilt room if they wanted to sew on my machine or watch television or plan a retreat or plan parties. We've done all of that. And so working on just step by step, trying to figure out what does my style look like and how did I want this room to feel and serve me and my family and my friends. I love that philosophy. There, I mean, more often than not, crafters, you know, workspaces become a dumping ground. And so often I think it is because we haven't taken the time, which you've done, to kind of think through, what do I want it to feel like? But that just, it just warms my heart to think of the crafting space being a sanctuary, really, as opposed to right. just a jumble um, and how right. much more creative is that? For myself, I know that I don't create well in too much mess. And so my philosophy is when I'm done a project, I put all the stuff away. So that doesn't affect the aesthetics of my room. But I do love to have work surfaces and spaces that are clean. My mind does not work as well when I'm surrounded by jumble. How about you? Uh, not at all. I have to start with a clean slate. Um, and my room... Um, when I'm in here, before I get any kind of project going, I'm I'm working in a clean, um, fun, creative space with lots of color that's inspiring. Um, so I don't do well either in a messy space. I really need to have a clean environment that's inspiring to and to to me to get my creative juices flowing. So I love um, having it all clean and pretty. Um, before I go. So I'm with you 100%. Yeah, good. I want to dive just a little bit deeper because now I want to go work on my room, right? So how <laughs> how did you yeah. kind of approach this? Did you first spend some time like thinking about or maybe even jotting down like what are the purposes of this room? And then how did you go from there into what do I need in this room? What could I glean from my house? What do I need to go purchase? What does storage look like? Any of those things. Oh, absolutely. So um, I knew I needed a space for my uh, machine. And it's funny because uh, I had been searching for the right table. And I don't know about you, but I, ha I went through three different tables <laughs> before I could figure out which, which table was going to work best for me. Of course, we all start out with a folding table. I started out with a folding table. And as you grow, you realize, man, I'm I'm sewing pretty fast and this table is not going to work for, for my speed. And so eventually I found a table on Facebook marketplace. There's lots of great um, deals. Oh, that's that you a can good find. resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had found this, it was a horn cabinet and I got it for $150 and that's unheard of. And so we were, um, we went and picked it up and it was, it was kind of a jumping off point for me. Um, of course um, I have a, I needed a cutting table, I went with the Martelli Advantage uh, table, and I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's on hydraulics, and it's it's worked out really well because I can lower it um, and have friends over, and they can sew on it as well. Ah, so it's not just right. And so I knew if I wanted friends to be in here, I needed something that would go up and down, but. I, but most of the time I'm cutting on it. Um, so I love that it has that functionality of going up or down. Um, so I knew I needed that. I needed storage. Uh, my daughter had um, just moved out of her dorm and I took over her bookcase that she bought at Ikea. And of course I added 
you can probably, and no one can see it behind me, but you can um, describe it. I have this behind me, <laughs> um, but it has, um, I added doors to it because of course we keep messy things um, also. And I wanted the bottom half to be covered. And so the top part is glass and it has all my pretty things, but you know, functional things that aren't as pretty and cute, I keep down below. Um, so, and then the biggest thing for me, I wanted a chair in my room that I could do handwork, but it needed to be, I needed it to rock because um, I've got grandbabies and I wanted them to be able to um, come in here and feel like they could sit uh, with Gigi in her room and get rocked and look at the colors and enjoy the space. Um, so I made sure uh, to find the right chair for my room that they could enjoy as well. So those were kind of some important things to me um, to have in the space. And I just took my time um, finding what was right. So how long-ish was this from sort of conception, the idea, I want to create a studio until, you know, it looks finished now. Maybe you don't feel like it's finished yet, but about how long did that take? Um, I would say really when I started getting all my ideas and plans together, it took me a good probably year and a half to two years just to really understand what did I want and to find the right things for it. Um, of course, we add and take away. I try not to have too many things in here. Uh, my friends would probably tell you I have way too many things in here. Um, but I, I only try to surround myself with functional things or unless they're inspirational and pretty um, and make me feel good. So that's really kind of the litmus test for me. If it comes into my room, it needs to be functional or it, or it brings me joy in some way. Excellent. That's honestly really encouraging because, you know, I get upset when I can't like recreate the space of my dreams in a weekend. And realistically, (laughs) that's not going to happen, right? It takes longer than that to think through the process. And two, as you say, there's nothing wrong with it evolving. Like you don't have to arrive. It's about the journey too of creating that beautiful, comfortable, creative space. I love all of that. Well, this has just been so cheerful. And I'm getting glimpses, by the way, for our listeners. I'm getting glimpses of your beautiful pink curtain with the pom-poms and all these little sweet touches that you've put in your room. And your room is very, um, how would you describe it in a couple of words? It's warm. It's feminine. It's soft. What are some of the things that, that you were going for? I think you described it. It's funny. It matches, um, the style of my quilting, I think. And, um, I'm always drawn to colorful, girly, uh, feminine fabrics and, you know, my colors are, you know, the pinks and the aquas and I love navy and mint green and just some of those um, warm, uh, girly colors that come together to create a a really good feeling. So um, I would say, yeah, I think... um, this room is warm and inviting, and uh, and I and I think that you know it's important. Like I said, for me, it was important for me to create that space for um, my friends and my family to come in and enjoy it with me. Um, sometimes we're in here by ourselves, of course, and we need our space. But I do love when they when they want to come in here and enjoy it. My granddaughter, she'll look around and she sees the colors, and um, you know we we've even put her footprints on my floor. Um, and she loves that, you know, we had pulled the carpet out during pandemic and I said, I wanted concrete floors and let's paint it. And 
So my husband graciously did that for help. He helped me with that on my birthday. That was my birthday present to pull the carpet out of my room and uh, turn it into a concrete painted concrete floor, which is a great thing that we did in this in this space because it keeps my floor so much cleaner. Um, but I thought, let's put Lila's little footprints on the floor and uh, she comes in looking for her feet every time she comes here so <laughs> so it's a little bit of her left behind every time she comes and and goes so how sweet for you to be able to see them how awesome for her as the years go by for her to keep coming back and seeing them and be reminded and you're just you're doing a great job of creating um, an atmosphere that I think she'll want to emulate so whether she chooses to make quilts or not in the future this whole idea of creating something yeah. beautiful you're doing a great job of passing that on yay you thank you you thank you I hope so I hope to inspire her so <laughs> yes don't we all and I'm yes. you know I'm sitting here with two grown daughters neither of whom have any desire for the crafts that I love and I tried I, I showed them how and taught them but they're just like yeah no so I'm putting all my I'm pinning all my hopes on the granddaughters so <laughs> they'll come, they'll come back to it they'll come I hope back so. to it I hope so. Yes. And you know, you you alluded to this in the very beginning. There's a period of years when you have children and toddlers and school and appointments and sports and quilting is just not, or even crafting sometimes just takes a back seat. And so I'll be patient. Yes. They'll come around. As you said. <laughs> <laughs> of course they will. Alrighty. In closing, do you have some little tidbit of wisdom that you'd like to leave with our listeners? It can be about life in general, crafting in particular, totally up to you. Um. I think the main thing for me I, that I would like to leave with everyone is um, we can have functional spaces that are beautiful and we don't always have to have chaotic craft spaces. I, I really feel like um, that is, that's something that we've seen all over the place. You know, you can look at um, different things out on the internet of craft rooms and, but I think, really know that you can you can have both you can have function and beauty that inspires you to be creative and uh, that is the thing that I hope to create when when I'm in this space is that functionality but also beauty and pretty um, that brings me great joy and um, something that my family and friends can enjoy as well. Great. That's excellent. Well, thank you so very much for joining me. I have just enjoyed this thoroughly. Just warm and fuzzy feeling. <laughs> I have as well. Thank you so much for the invitation. And thank you for tuning into the show. I will put a link in the show notes to Leslie's Instagram feed so that you too can enjoy her photographs of her developing studio. And maybe you'll get some ideas there for creating your own inviting workspace that both inspires you creatively and becomes a sanctuary for you. So if you enjoyed this podcast, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcast or whatever the listening app of your choice is. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can hear these warm stories as well. Until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>